Passion, drive, and patience. That's the formula for winning championships and is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. They have superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and much, much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, they've got it all ebay motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber and not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins let's keep your ride or die alive today at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply you guys executed the weekend to the fullest, and now you're going to get to race for a championship. So congrats. And, yeah, thanks uh, for having me on. Thanks for being wrong, man. The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Hey, guys. Welcome to Actions Detrimental, the I Told You So episode. I want to thank our presenting sponsor, Birch Gold Group. This episode is presented by our sponsor, Birch Gold Group. Get a free info kit on gold by texting code DENNY to 9898. Nine eight, Jared, you want to give it to me? This is, yeah, I was gonna say this is the Jared Allen. I told you so. I know. Episode. No, I, I, I'm saying I. Okay. It's G- the I told you so, but it ain't I. It sucks it's for you. you. It sucks for you. You were always right for like ten days. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're always right till you're wrong. Uh, we have a special guest, the winner of the Verizon 200 at Indy, Michael McDowell. Uh, welcome, Michael. Uh, I love this because now uh, you can defend yourself in person <laughs> and defend it with this nice, beautiful trophy here in front of us. Uh, man, how's that feel? Oh, it's it's a it's amazing. You know, um, I'm not so worried about the defending myself, but to um, you know to have a car that good. Yep. You know, I don't think in my career in the Cup Series I've ever had a car that good, and so to to go out there and do it and execute it and get it done is is amazing so it was a you know it's a a day that we'll remember forever um it's yeah it's just what you dream of i mean to have a car that good and to have it at indy and to you know to kiss the bricks it's it's amazing so when you got out after practice and you looked at your lap times we were like oh boy we we we're strong yeah for sure and honestly it made me super nervous that next day just because i was feeling it mm-hmm. like i felt like i did have the car to beat um short run long run uh lap average all all the metrics is that we use mm-hmm. we were the top of it and i was feeling it man i woke up on sunday morning i'm like oh, i'm anxious but in a good way you know not in, not in a bad way but in a good way like feeling like all right i got the car to beat now i gotta go do it um and so but once the race started and you get locked in you know that all goes away you just get laser focused on what you have to do and um you know i knew that we had needed to be aggressive early that's one thing that i learned at sonoma last year um you know restarting third i had a shot to get both busher and suarez on a restart and i'm like no i'm gonna let these guys battle it out and wear out their tires next thing you know you sit behind them next thing you know you're two seconds behind them with five to go and you got no chance right right uh, so you learn from those mistakes, and so I just knew that I wanted to try to get to the lead early, take control of the race if we had the speed to do it, which we did. And um, so, yeah, it was it was a well executed race on all fronts. Pit stops, everything went great. And you know, it's it's not every weekend that you have an opportunity to do that. And so uh, for me, it was it was a big day. 
That I mean, it's awesome. I, I know from in the cockpit and the way that I feel, I feel the same way. On races where I know I've got a race-winning car, that's when I'm the most nervous about, don't screw this up. Like, I've got the car, just make sure I do my job, execute great. I mean, you can hope and pray that things go right on pit road or, you know, cautions don't, you know, they, they fly your way, but ultimately you're just locked in on, let me do my job, right? And it's so hard to just take a breath and, and do that. How much in the last, I don't know, let's call it 10 laps where you're just like, no cautions, please. You know, I was the opposite. I didn't want a caution, but I was planning on it. Mentally, I was planning on it because yeah. it just doesn't happen where you get all the way to the end of the race with no caution, right? And not to say that NASCAR's trying to throw it, but people get sloppy. They get tired. You start locking brakes. You start making mistakes. You go into the gravel trap, um, which after the race, I saw AJ go yes. through the gravel trap, yes. and I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> that would have been bad. Um, but I was planning on or anticipating a, a, a late race restart. And so it was a tough deal because I was, I was kind of trying to save my tires a little bit and drive real straight and manage the gap. But as I got into traffic, he started closing that gap and I'm like, ah, how hard do I push? I don't want to be in a bad spot if a caution does come out, but, um, it didn't have to worry about it, but I was preparing for it and I was thinking about it for sure. I'm just curious. I know. I'm, I can't see you. I know. The I'm looking at this beautiful, <laughs> this beautiful brick here. <laughs> um, I'm curious. What was your your plan for that caution? Because knowing what we've seen at the Indy Road Course in the past, right now the restart zone was different. But when you go into Turn One, it's just all hell breaks loose. Yeah, I think that you know so much this year has changed for the better for us as a group. You know, not having stage breaks, that's a win for us because we've always pitted with two laps to go in the stage, try to get track position because we're always in that must-win situation and these are our best chances to win. So with that, no yellows, no cautions, no stage breaks, and moving that restart zone, I thought no matter what, we're going to be in a good spot because our car was that good. You know, in years past, I'd be third, fourth, go down and turn one, and the guy 15th wipes us all out, you know, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's Joey Logano. Yeah, he usually has a 22 on <laughs> Hey, lap one, did you see that? Locking the rear tires, wiping out a couple guys. But um, it was, it was, he, he had an eventful race. He, does, he is looking forward to us going back to the Oval at that track for sure. Uh, but I tell you, it's, people don't understand a little bit about, you know, People think that it's just equipment, right? And and that, well, your equipment is, you're the underdog because your equipment's not as good as a Hendrick car or a Gibbs car. But maybe speak to, you know, the deficits that you as a driver face against someone like myself um, in, you know, information that you get, sim time. Like, talk to us about what do the top drivers get versus what, someone like you at front row gets as far as resources like beyond just the race car yeah so i think that you know i haven't been in your shoes so i don't know you'll have to tell me how much mm -hmm. more you get but most of the pre-race preparation as far as what to study what to look at uh restarts who is the best who is the worst all that i do that myself i don't have an engineer that's bringing that to me and say hey I need you to look at the 99 this week because he was the best last year. I go through that data and that SMT and that video and find who is the best restarter. And, That's right. And so because our guys are building shocks and trying to get to the racetrack, mm -hmm. I don't have somebody dedicated to that. Um, as far as the simulation goes, you know, 
we have a great partnership with Ford Performance, um, and we get DIL time, and we're on the driving simulator, but our session's Thursday. Car's already loaded up. That's right. It's on the hauler. Mm -hmm. It was in the Indy Parade when I was finishing up, you know? (laughs) Um, And so for us, we we can learn, but there's only so much you can do at the track. You know, you're you might adjust a few heights, you might do a few things, little tweaks, but w- building your model needs to happen several weeks before, and that's hard for us to do because we're just trying to keep our head above water. Um, and so some of those things are are a challenge, but at the same time, it's what's kept me super engaged. I don't have a choice. Yep. Like if I don't do it, it's not going to get done, and and that's been good for me because it's kept me locked in but it's also kept me a part of how to get better myself, you know, and how to look at it myself and make sure that I'm doing all the things that I need to do to execute at at a high level. And, um, you know, it's like you said, it's not about just having great equipment. Yesterday Mm -hmm. I had great equipment. I think my car was better than yours. Right. No question. And And I believe that, but there's so much more that I need to do to be able to capitalize on that moment. And that's what I've always been super impressed with. And I've talked to you about this before is that, Guys that execute at a high level and do it week in, week out, it's so hard to do. I mean, you can have the best car, but to to do to do what Ty Gibbs did on Saturday, it's still hard to do. He had a dominant car, but you still got to execute. You still got to do everything right. Um, and it's not as easy as it looks. So it was fun to be in that situation and kind of have that pressure on you to do it. Um, and you prepare for it, but you don't know if you're going to buckle, right? You don't know if you're going to buckle under the pressure or not. <laughs> is Coke Zero Sugar the best Coke ever? I know that's a bold question, but it's got that irresistible taste to back it up. Well, one thing's for sure, when you've got an irresistible match like Zero Sugar and Zero Calories, something sensational is bound to happen. It's like when me and my co-host Jared team up to make a podcast. It's too bad you can't taste with your ears because Coke Zero Sugar tastes so amazing It's hard to put it into words, but hey, that's my job, at least on Mondays. You have to taste it for yourself. Coke Zero Sugar, the best Coke ever. Yeah, I mean, it it is a challenge, and I think that's really where I had an advantage on the field. Now, this is a total guess, but I think that I got into data and analytics on the driving side really, really early, and then it's, you know, all the big teams have it now, like you talked about, you know, you know, Chevy has their program that, that they're teaching the drivers, you know, what to look for, what to, you know, where you're saying is that, man, I, I have to dig up all the data myself and then I go through it and look at it and figure out where can I get better. And so, I mean, drivers are still the number one X factor, no matter how you break it down in the, in the car's performance. And it, I know how it made me feel and it's got to make you feel very gratified to see the results from the work that you put in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's fun and it's fun to be a part of it. I mean, I'm I have a great um spot at Front Row because I get to be in most of the decision making, which is fun. You know, I'm not an owner. I'm not a manager, um but I have the freedom to to do a lot of things um in regards to development, in regards to people and who we put in place and what needs to happen. And I enjoy that aspect of it. It's been, it's been cool to build something and be a part of building it. I got a question about that, that sim time you mentioned that your sim times on Thursday. Does that mean that when you unload at the racetrack more often than not, you have more work to do than a guy that may be in Denny's shoes? Like, is the car not like we've talked about like Truex sometimes just unloads really well and it's just great all weekend. Does that typically mean that because the car, your car is already loaded on to, off to the track on Thursday, 
that you might have more work to do than the next guy on Saturday with the hour of practice? I don't, I don't think it's so much more work as it is maybe some of the gains that we think that we found on the simulator that we're not able to apply to the car that week um, because the car is already there, right? So there's only certain things that you can do at the racetrack before you present your car in tech, right? So if you're out there, you can't change the geometry, you can't change the camera. There's a lot of things you can't change, you know, before you uh, roll through inspection there. So, um, but it just means that we have to be buttoned up. You know, we started ND two weeks ago. We started Watkins Glen last week. Um, and so we're ahead of the game um, to make sure that we can utilize that time well. Um, and so, yeah, it's, there's just certain challenges, right? Like there's so much that I could go into. Like we, we use a generic aero model. We use a generic tire model. It's not always right. And right. I don't have somebody there tuning that tire. And Denny knows what I'm talking about. There's yep. sometimes you get to the oh, simulator yeah. and you're like, what in the world? That's half the work. This, this thing doesn't <laughs> even drive correct. Right? That's right. And so there's a lot of races where, um, we're trying to, you know, make laps. We can't even make laps because, we don't have somebody to, to tweak the model, you know? So there's certain, you know, limitations that we have, but we've learned how to maximize, you know, what resources we have. And, and we're constantly working on making that better and better. So, and Ford is as well, you know, for a lot of time there, the teams were doing a lot of it themselves. Now Ford's trying to rein that in and say, all right, let's work collectively on one tire. <laughs> yeah. And if that happens, it's going to be great for us. But so far right now, we we're just at the beginning stages of that. So you, you talked about that being really involved in the organization. How does it feel to be locked in, know what you're doing early, you know, before, you know, it's not last minute, you know, you finally, you're like, I, I know what I'm doing for the next few years and, and, you know, being locked in the front row there and knowing you're going to be with the same team. Yeah, it's great. Normally it's like December before I know what I'm going <laughs> to do. It's stressful, man. Can we get Bob Jenkins? Bob, can, can we get uh, some decision making from you a little <laughs> sooner for, for Michael here? You know, it's, it's a, it's a tough situation. I mean, our, our team's different than most, right? And I have so much respect for Bob because he's spending his own money to do it. It's, it, he's not making any money doing this. He's spending millions of dollars a year to fund this team and keep it going at, at a high level for us. And so I understand why he waits till December because if there's a, a Austin Hill out there with $6 million and he's a driver, that's tough not to pull me out. <laughs> and so he's got to make sure he's uh, making the best decisions for all the people there at Front Row. But it's nice to have Todd and I both locked in. It's nice to have even a teammate that is the same and consistent. That's been super tough. Yeah. I feel like I've been a one-man band there for a long time because every year I'm getting a new rookie driver that is just figuring it out, and you never build anything. You're just on your own island, and you can't really... I hate to say it, trust what their feedback is, trust the direction that no they're going with the car. So then you just feel like it's the 34 carrying the, the weight of well, all of it. But now it doesn't feel like that. The it's up to you, been it's up to, you to send the team in a direction, right? Because I mean, ultimately, you know, Todd can, he could be a great driver and run top five every week, but still it's, you're the veteran driver that is going to send that team in a direction. Hey, we need to work on X for next time we come back here. Um, I, I love to see that Bob pulled the trigger on keeping both of you guys. I, I think that Todd has absolutely proven that he's capable. I love, I'm a huge fan of Todd and I mention him a lot on this podcast and you about how well y'all are doing uh, at front row and continue to get better. 
and it's good to see y'all have got that stability. And and I, it's great that Todd, um, while has, you know he's bounced around, he struggled at the beginning when he was at KBM uh, in the trucks. He's really came into his own in the Cup Series and very worthy of keeping that 38 car. So really hop, happy for Todd and happy for you. Uh, winning the Daytona 500, you know, just a few years ago. Now here you are with the Indy Brick. I, I wouldn't know. I've never won this race at Indy. It's the one that chaps me the most in my career, actually. So I'm very jealous of that. But it's, uh, you know, when we talked about for the last few weeks, what, you know, who's going to get in? You know, I, I come in, you see this sheet of paper, Travis writes down, and it's got the bubble, and here, here's who's in contention and whatnot. That's where we saw on social media the debate between me and Jared on who's going to get it. Oh, I know you just can't wait. <laughs> I know you can't wait. So, <laughs> so let's let's just say I am a numbers person. Yes, I, you are. I love I love percentages, knowing my odds at all times, and so I like to put myself in the most favorable odds situation, which is why I said, "What Chase Elliott can't make up points." You guys have got to be kidding me, yeah, right? The, the I, only reason I respond, because you see, I'm, I li- I I'm love not very it. active on social media. The only reason I respond is because I know you're a numbers guy, right? <laughs> and we've talked about this before, like with Daytona, is if you're not a student of the sport and you're not paying attention, you're not going to win at this level. Like, you got to do the work, right? So yep. I'm a numbers guy, too, and statistic guy, and I'm like, hey... Maybe he just doesn't know the numbers. Like we're crushing it I in was the not next gen era sure. of road courses. So, you know, I knew Chase Elliott is the best road course racer there is in our sport. You can't deny that. He's mm-hmm. got like seven wins in the last five years, right? So statistically, he is the best. And I know that. Um, he could win any given weekend. He could have won this weekend. I know that too. Could win next. He could win the next one. And and so it was not that. It was like, if he wins, I'm still going to run fifth. He's not going to get right. 40 points on me. <laughs> he might get 15. He might get 20. But there's no way he's going to get but 40. what I was including was Michigan. Yeah. Now, Talladega, I'm going to give you the nod on that one. I mean, I mean Daytona. You, you're, in my mind, you're, you're a top five uh, super speedway racer. You're just... You're really good at super. It's not a, it's not by happenstance that you always put yourself in the right position at the right time. Where, you know they, you know Dale Jr. says it when you if you don't win the race when they take the picture of the checkered flag being thrown, your car is in the picture, right? Yeah. And that's what matters. You put yourself in positions for that. And so I was basing it off of, well, we got Michigan. And I did know that historically it's not been, you know, I, I yeah. saw that top uh, 20th was the best finish that y'all have had there. And then I remember when the rain came, I, I saw you get out and look at the front of your car. I'm like, oh boy, he's got damage. That's not, that's not good. So luckily, um, you know, you guys were able to come out of there and then come out swinging here at Indy Road Course. So I try to put myself in the statistically the best, make the best decision to say which two guys would make it. However... However, this is why people defy the odds. Michael McDowell defied the odds and put himself in the playoff picture. What people don't know is that knocked my 23 car out of the owner's playoffs. Now, Bubba's in it, but we're not in 2311. And so I actually talked a little bit with um, the contractor who's building our building, and he says... Wait a minute, I'm trying to figure this out. So how are you X amount of points behind an owner's 
and X amount in drivers. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm only 30 behind in the owner's championship for the regular season, but I'm 50, you know, 55, 60 behind in the in drivers. And he's like, I said, because I got a penalty because of my podcast earlier this year. <laughs> so there is a opportunity where the I win the championship for the 11 team and I don't win a championship again. Like, you know, it would just be poetic and perfect. <laughs> but so what people don't know is the nine car is actually in right now on the owner's side. Um, I'm trying to get it pulled up here. This is all very interesting because I feel like this I, He wanted me to explain. He's like, I don't understand who's in, who's out. Like, there, it's not really being talked about that much. So right. Bubba is, okay, I'm going to try to do it on the fly here. Bubba is in on drivers currently, out on owners. The nine car is out on drivers, in on owners. And then uh, what's different? What's different? What am I missing? The 48's closer to being in on owners than they are on drivers. He's but got you're it. still ahead of them. Correct. Yeah, it's still, you know, I think he's got probably 30, man, that's uneducated, but 30 or so on uh, the 48 team, maybe less after yeah. this week. And at I, the I top, you're closer it. to Truex for the regular season championship on owners than Yeah, so than we could end up with, you know, best case scenario, if I gain 30 on Truex over the next two weeks, then we could end up with more bonus points on the owner side than I have on the driver side. So that was a scenario that actually played out for the first time last year with the Hendrick team where Kyle Larson's car... If I remember right, yep. Kyle Larson's car was eligible for the owner's championship at Phoenix last year. So he was still racing for, and by the way, that's how we get paid as, as ownership is by the owner's points because it, it makes it to where if Michael uh, gets sick or something like that or, or has an injury or yeah, he, he's able to, that team doesn't get penalized monetarily because of that. So uh, that's the right way to do it. Um, the drivers, of course, get all the fame. But as the owners, I'm going, oh, no, ouch. Uh, so we, we got to get Bubba in. Uh, he's, he needs to win and, or gain a bunch of points on one of those guys. I, I think it's probably the nine car that's the next uh, ahead of him on owners. So it is very difficult sometimes to understand. Um, I think sometimes we get guilty of kind of getting too inside baseball here where we just talk about something that you know we expect the fans to understand, but 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 don't. So we need to break it down. But we'll update that as as you know over the next two weeks. But it's um, fascinating because last year this discussion came up with the Kurt Busch situation, right? That he was going to miss the playoffs, or he was going to be out for the playoffs, but the car was still in. So you had Bubba drive the forty-five for a handful of races, and it was like, well, this doesn't really ever happen. We don't ever have a guy that's not in the driver's championship racing for the owner's championship and now this year with all the penalties and yep people out of the race cars just yeah it's been wild. It's wild and like denny said it's the same even though it's the driver's championship i don't get paid because the owners don't get paid if you don't make the owner's right. championship and so the drivers is what's highlighted but the owners is what matters for the historical for years moving on and the value of it so Yesterday was a big win for us in that regard because even if I would have pointed my way in on the driver's side, we weren't going to point our way in on the owner's side. It was too yeah, big of a, a gap. Yeah, that's a good point. So it was a, a big 
big plus for us and, and for being a smaller team, like what it does for you for the next few years by making the playoffs is super important. Yeah, because Bob's just going to reinvest whatever that gain is in either your year-end point fund or, uh, or you know, wherever his charter ends up netting out at the end of the season, you know, th- these guys, they reinvest. They don't just put, they don't, these team owners don't put money in their pockets. I can assure you that. If I do my job well, we'll have a Hawkeye before the end of the year. If I do it well, that's, that's the plan. That's the goal. He'll be here with Wednesday. So I'm going to wear him out. So I'll, 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 I'll take it down to sixth grade level. He just said, we'll have a Hawkeye by the end of the year. The fact that y'all don't have a Hawkeye is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It's, a Hawkeye is essentially the device that scans the car and it makes sure that the the outer body of the car and the underbody of the car is legal. So it's just versus you, you saw back in Days of Thunder when they put the old aluminum plate on top of the car and it fit the template. Everywhere that that piece wasn't touching, the teams would twist or move and 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 gain an aero advantage. The you have to have a Hawkeye to get all the advantages out of your car it's just a it's just a fact i mean the last thing one of the last things they do before they load in a hauler is run it right back through the hawkeye after they set up the car how does it you know fit the hawkeye um it's such an important part and not only that is the teams have to offset what their hawkeye says versus what nascar hawkeye says so it really is um amazing that y'all are doing what you're doing again with the resources and and let's not downplay anything too they're they do have a great team at front row. They they've got good yeah. people there, and you know you don't continue to overachieve. Eventually, you just got to recognize this team is actually pretty good for sure. Right? And and it's not like we don't have access to a Hawkeye. I don't want to paint that picture. Yeah. We can use NASCAR's Hawkeye, which is tough because it's a schedule. Xfinity guys, there's a lot of people that are trying to get in there, um, but we also have our alliance with with Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing, right? And so we have a time slot there to run both cars through the Hawkeye, which is great. And, and we have to, to be at this level, you got to do it. The thing that's tough is, is that we don't get to fine tune and tweak, go back through, fine tune and tweak, go back through. Cause it's not in our shops, not in our building. So our guys are doing a great job, but if they had two days and they could just go back and forth in and out, in and out, we'd be able to maximize it so much more. And we'd probably get through uh, tech the first time instead of having to go through two or three <laughs> times like we do now. Because like Denny said, it doesn't always correlate from the track to the shop. So it's it's a process. So I'm looking on NASCAR.com on their app, actually, and it's actually even incorrect. So it's having the... Right now, it's showing who who's in... If I click on owners, it says the... Uh, Twenty-three cars, fifteenth. The front row, thirty-four, sixteenth. The JTDG Doherty is seventeenth. Well, that's not true because the forty-seven has won a race, so they're actually they're in. And so the closest we are to someone, uh, he, he's probably he's going to have to win. Yeah, he, he's going to have to win because he's probably about he's fifty-one away from the nine car with two races to go. So. Uh, the 47's in on our heels is the Trackhouse 99, 
uh, is actually closer to us than the uh, Hendrick Motorsports 48. And if you get into the playoffs, 16th is the worst that you can be ranked on the year. So that's why you see these teams fighting for it so much. Michael, I'm curious if you think back to this time last week after Michigan, you went from being above the cut line to then below it. What was the emotion? What was what was going on in your head and, and the team around the shop going into this next weekend? Well, the last two weeks have been rough. I mean, they just have been. You know, Richmond, we actually had a good car running in the top 10. And, you know, Travis has done a great job calling races, super aggressive, going for it. And we have stole, literally stole, more top tens this year than we deserve because of his aggression on 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 the box um, but his aggression on the box at, at richmond was not the right play and cost us a lot of track position and you know we took a 10th place car and finished 20 something with it which you know where we were at in the points that that was a, a bad day for us and then michigan having that damage early um, you know, we worked hard to get it out. It kept popping in, popping in, popping in. But the only saving grace that we had is the guys that we are around minus the 99 um, didn't have great days. AJ didn't have a great day. Chase obviously crashed early. And so there was a lot of factors there that kind of kept us in the game. So leaving Michigan, we were disappointed the last two weeks that we gave up so many points, but we were only minus three. And I felt like minus three, we got a good shot going to the road courses, going to Daytona. Um, I felt like you want to be plus 20 going to Daytona because anything could happen. Uh, to not be in that last lap, this is where it's going to all come apart or come together. Um, but yeah, it, it's been a process of just figuring out what we can do to maximize just our finish. Not what everybody else can do. We knew Bubba was going to go to Pocono, Michigan, those places have a shot at the pole and have a shot at winning stages and winning the race. We knew that we would have a shot at winning stages and winning the race these three weeks coming up. And so we knew it was going to ebb and flow. And, you know, Bubba did a great job executing those, those three weeks. And I mean, he was like 50 some points ahead. Right. And we're like, Oh man, we are going to have to kill it. We're going to have to crush it to, to make that up. So um, the wind definitely helps eliminate a lot of that stress because I think it still would be a challenge. Yeah, it's, um, it is, it's, it's shaping up to be, uh, pretty awesome to see. I think it's going to be, you know, now you've got two stress-free weeks when normally, I mean, these would be the two most pressure situation weeks that you would have in, in your career. I mean, it really would be, but now, you know, you guys get to focus on the, the round of, uh, 16. What, how do you feel like the beginning of the playoffs is going to shape up for y'all? Well, you know, I think that throw out more statistics. If last year we'd have made it to the next round, just based on how we ran those races. Um, so I feel like we have a good baseline, you know, last year doesn't always apply to this year, but I feel right. like we have, um, enough speed to execute and put ourselves at least in a fighting position. What's really interesting is the next round throw Talladega and the Roval in, <laughs> Right, we're gonna really make right? people upset if we go two rounds, right? And so, um, I mean, we know who we are. We know what we can and can't do, right? And we're pushing to be a top team. But to sit here and say, "Yeah, we're gonna go championship four. We're gonna win this whole deal," would be ludicrous. I'm, I'm just not wired like that. But I think that we can get through the first round and probably the second, depending on how Talladega goes. Yeah, you know, the first round is okay. Don't beard ourselves. That's that is just the mantra of the first round. You always see a contender go out very early 
there's always one or two guys that get knocked out in the first round that no one saw coming just because this is a three-race season. If you have one and a half bad races, so you you crash out of one or you have you know a, a detrimental day, and next thing you know, you finish 18th in the other, you're below the cut line with one race to go. So this it, it's a complete new season. I think the way the tracks lay out for each individual team plays a huge role in who Absolutely. moves on and who doesn't. Um, but yeah, I, especially with... You guys have got to be thinking, get past the first round, don't beat ourselves, and we literally can make some noise here in the second round. So it, it, it's going to be exciting to see for sure. Um, I, I, I'm a, As a race fan, I'm excited to see it, no doubt. Do you have a bulletin board in the shop that you had Denny's tweets? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> like I said, I mean, I'm not super active on social media. Um, I just liked engaging in this one particularly and i'll be honest with you like there's certain things that get me fired up you don't see it a lot you don't hear it a lot but uh, two things that fired me up over the last month month and a half is svg kicking our butts at chicago that that frustrated me man that should never happen and that made me mad enough to go to work like i'm gonna figure it out like i gotta be better this is unacceptable not taking away what he did what he did was nothing short of miraculous. I mean, unbelievable, but it shouldn't happen. And so that fired me up. Um, And then this was just a little extra fuel to the fire, right? Like, man, you're not paying attention. I'm going to wax them is what I felt like saying, right? But that's just not me personally, but that's what I feel inside. Um, Yeah. So it's, I'm just glad that it all worked out, man, because you can, you can want it all you want, but if you don't have the stuff to do it, if you don't have the car to do it, if you don't have the pit stops to do it, it's just talk, right? And so I think speed-wise, we felt good that we were going to be in contention. But execution-wise is something that we've had to get better at. Yeah. And and myself included, man, so many times I've given up good finishes, speeding on pit road, speeding getting to pit road, um, or whatever, you know, over the wall too soon, just dumb stuff, uh, pit lane violation, like all those things. You just can't have it in these races and recover from it and so it was uh it was fun to execute it's a good segue what did y'all make of the road course ringers yesterday oh uh, one-off guys i i think it went a little bit more back to what we thought i mean that's kind of what we you know again we talked about it jared many times on this i think that chicago thing and not to poo poo on it at all it just lined up perfectly for SVG. The things, you know, it just lined up perfectly. Um, he was at a street course where he's, you know, again, I talked about where he was fastest versus the field is where all the walls were the tightest, right? And it's because he was in his element at that point, we were all a little more careful, right? We're, we're, we're probably paranoid a little bit more about bidding a toe length than what he is, right? So, Absolutely. I mean, so it just, there's little things there. And, and then you had the mix of the, it's wet, Okay, now it's starting to dry out. And again, that's where I struggled personally the most. Is like if it's full wet, I think I'm okay. I like comp, you know, competitive wise. If it's full dry, I, I felt very fast at Chicago. Um, but when it starts to get the in between phase, I typically am way off from the field because I I'm like, do I push it? What if I hit a slick spot and I I barrel this thing off into a corner? Like so. I, I think that that's where I need to improve the most, but I think that's where SVG really excelled as well is when that the track started to transition there. And then things just happened. You had the, the, the stack up in turn 11 that 
it was him, the 54, and, and someone else. They were able to squeak by. Everyone else was parked. So it was just a lot of things that, that played into that. But he still goes out and is competitive, runs in the top 10. We got SVG was 10th. Uh, Which bro- shouldn't be overlooked. No. I mean, it's overlooked because of how lights out he was at Chicago. I right? think we're like, oh, That's yeah. an amazing day. I mean, that's what I... I think people were thinking, well, that's a letdown. I'm like, dude, it's still his second start. Like, yeah. he's still driving on the opposite side of the race <laughs> car. So, it is. It was pretty damn impressive. Was he going the right way, though, this time? Opp- oh, yeah, because Chicago... No, I guess it was the same. Huh? Same. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's the only track... One of the tracks we run, the quick the roval. the roval we run, and Coda, right? And Coda, okay. Hmm. And Sonoma. I wonder why I'm not better at those. Got to think about that. Um, well, I mean, I don't know who saw it coming, but we we you know the the narrative has been Ford struggling, Ford struggling, Ford struggling, but now they've got three in a row, and. Um, not only that, they hey, they also won the truck opener with Ty Majeski. Man, I don't know what they've figured out on the short tracks. But, I mean, listen, he's a great short track racer anyway, but I believe he he deserves his due that, uh, um, you know, just a fabulous performance. How they, you know, ended up messing up Richmond, I have no idea. I mean, I've never seen a truck that much faster than the field. I don't think I've seen a car that much faster than the field in over 10 years. Now, it used to be when we had trick cars, spindles, bodies, all that stuff, you would see a car. I remember my cart Richmond when we let all the laps until we blew a tire with 13 to go. That was one that was super dominant. But I, I'm, I'm watching the lap times, and I'm like, there's no one even remotely in the ballpark with this guy. So, And he came through the field. Came through the field. He was running <laughs> three, four tenths faster in the field when he's in traffic. Yeah. So it was like, holy cow. So uh, Ty and, you know, that that team switching over to Ford this year is really doing a great job. And um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Ty. I think uh, I think it's it's about time people start knocking on his door on, on, on some opportunities. And uh, just a great – I mean, he wins – by the way, short track races, big short track races, when all the guys are in it, when when Chase Elliott or William Byron go run a super late model, he still goes and beats them. So he's a very good driver for sure. Um, you know, you, you definitely it's you know, Josh Berry is a late model stock guy. Ty Majeski is a late model stock and super late model guy. So he's a uh, you know, I know he's very involved in what the team does there. He's he's he works in the shop. He helps build shocks for all the teams. So. Want to give uh, him a shout out for for a great performance this weekend. Uh, looking at that race yesterday, um, what are your guys' thoughts about racing and a race that goes for green as long as it does like that? So I was gonna ask Michael about this because you know we we talk a lot, and I th- I'd say probably me and Michael are the most vocal when it comes to the drivers and you know what you know what do we need to work on for the future and um, you know with Jeff Burton and that whole council. Um, you know, I think that it's certainly it's it's what it's a good thing because in my mind, because this is what road course racing is, right? I mean, I think that if you have stage breaks, I, it's hard for me to explain. I think the fans got a little spoiled at times because we got so many green white checkers on these road courses, and they're like, "This is the way it should be," 
And this is what we come to expect. And then when a more natural race comes about, like an indie road course where, oh crap, so we don't throw stage breaks and this is what could happen. Um, I, I think there'll be more reservations and probably will be a talking point with the media this week. Um, but I personally believe that you should have stuff like this in our schedule. This is part of being a well-rounded team, well-rounded driver. Um, we have enough of the fabricated stuff in other racetracks. So let's, let's keep it to a purist, at least, you know, any opportunity we can. I, I agree. And I could see both sides. I mean, I know yes. for the fans, it's way more fun to see us five wide and stacking up into turn one and having that happen over and over and over again. It creates some drama and it, it creates, you know, guys that were running 10th now have a shot at it. And, but the purest side of it is like, if you have the best car and you're executing all day, uh, you should have an opportunity to win yes. a race and not just get wiped out because of a, you know, a stage break or, you know, a green, white checkered. But I think organically, a lot of times it takes care of itself. Like Sonoma was playing out that way, but there was a late race caution there and, and got the field bunched back up. I'm surprised that there wasn't, you know, a caution. I mean, we saw the potential for a caution, right, with AJ, obviously, and a few other um, guys. But, you know, the, a lot of it is, is these racetracks now, which is great, there's so much runoff, right? And there's a lot of runoff. Like turn one, you're not at Watkins Glen, you're not burying it in the gravel trap anymore. There's a lot of runoff. If you make a mistake, you know, there's some forgiveness, which is good because it's safer for the drivers and uh, better for the team owners because you're not having to replace center sections and clips. But um, at the same time, it's taking away some of those opportunities for us to get, you know, all back together and, and have some excitement. But I like it. This is how I grew up racing you know, is that if you were the fastest guy and you didn't make any mistakes, you won the race. And the road courses have been difficult for me in the past in particular because I'm just not wired to shove it in there five wide and wipe somebody out if I'm not actually trying to like pass them. I'm just, I can't do it. I can't, even when I get to the point where I get tired of getting run over, I still can't say, well, I'll just take these four guys even though they didn't do anything, right? Like if you run into me, yeah. it's completely different. But just to go in there and send it in there, knowing that there's no chance if they weren't in front of you, you're you going to make the make corner. Yeah. I just don't feel like is racing. I feel like that's indoor karting. I can do that with my buddies exactly just right. down the road, right? And so um, I do like what we had yesterday. And I think it's different, too. You look at Formula One, right? Formula One, you know before you get there, Red Bull's going to win, and Max is going to have a 30-second lead. I was driving my guts out to maintain a 1.9 second lead yesterday. Yep. And at any point I lock a tire and make a mistake, Chase and I are racing for that win. And I think that that's still good racing. And I, and I, I think that having to push hard and execute and not make mistakes is good racing. There wasn't as much side by side and there wasn't as, you know, chaotic restarts, but I feel like the best cars were up front and the best cars had an opportunity to win the race. And that's how it should be. I watched the race back last night uh, before I went to bed. I actually got home quite a bit earlier than you. When you run 19th, you, you get home a little bit quicker. Um, but, it, I mean, it was still daylight. Uh, so I watched it back, and I was compelled. I really was because I knew that I knew the outcome. But I'm watching, I'm like, oh, wow, he's got a legit chance to catch him. And, you know, there was a lot of mixing and matching, like through the pit sequence, where who's going to come out ahead, Right. I think that it's certainly, while it just depends on what is your flavor of racing, for sure. If you love the bumper cars, then 
you probably hate it, right? If you love racing and good racing and you still are at the edge of your seat trying to figure out, is this guy going to catch him? And you know the implications. Whatever one wins this race is going to the playoffs. That is that is going to keep me watching and keeps me compelled. So um, I, I'd love to see it. I mean, you look at the guys that are in the top five, four of them are our bubble drivers, right? So it's it, it was really every, everyone that needed to step up did step up. Um, I you know Alex Bowman, great top five for him. Um, I, I I think that's a big run. I mean, the Hendrick cars are obviously fast at road courses yes. they have been, but Alex in particular, I would have put him in the Bubba category of if he ran fifteenth, it's going to be a good day. But maybe I haven't been paying attention either because he he was a top five legitimate in practice qualifying. Um, even even that second round, he made a few mistakes there, but he actually would have had a shot at the pole if he had put that lap together. So I was pretty impressed with the speed that he had and execution that they had because it usually isn't a strength for them. I had in my notes to mention Alex Bowman's injury because I went through the same injury in 2013 and I was not the same when I came back. You know, as you know, how do we, we feel the car through essentially our ass, right? We're, we're feeling, you know, the car on edge and whatnot. And when you have a chronic back issue, and I did all through 2013 after, you know, I had the, uh, the vertebrae problem, Alex had the same issue. And I'm wondering, is he recovering from that? Because, you know, if you can't feel, I mean, you have to feel the edge of the car from your underside. And if you have back problems and you're continuing to be locked down and tense, it inhibits your ability to feel the edge of the car. And are we not talking about this guy is coming off an injury that is significant and is significant to what we do. So I I, I remember 2013, I didn't win a race till the very last race of the season. I got hurt early on. It was the third or fourth race of the season. And, you know, I'd gotten used to winning multiple times every year and it took all the way to the last race of the year Homestead for me to win. And it was because I finally got to feel the car towards the end of the season. So I'm wondering if we aren't talking about, you know, enough about, and, and Alex probably isn't going to make excuses, right. right? So I think that, um, I, I think this might be a good indication that, that he's getting healthier and he's starting to get in a better place. What went into your decision yesterday to stay out and collect that playoff point in stage two? I, I, I'm gonna tell you, Jared. I was I've, coming. I just I was coming. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I was never so pleased to run 19th as I was yesterday. I don't think I've ever been as happy to run 19th. Now, I hate it because I feel like, you know, I, I'm better than that. Um, you know, I, I should run wherever the 45 is. That's that's kind of my my datum line of wherever he's at. That's what my car is capable of doing um, on the road courses. But we saw that we didn't have the speed, and the team says, how can we get out of here with the most points possible? You know, if we finish 27th and risk it to try to win a stage, well, who cares? We're going to finish 18th, 16th anyway. And for us, we're only racing the 19 car from here until the playoffs start, you know, for the regular season championship. So, I mean, Truex, I never saw him all day, and we finished two points behind him on the weekend. So it's like Chris and the team just did a fabulous job of getting us that stage win. And again, we just went long 
and didn't pit until the end of the second stage. Um, I thought I was just battling. Now, listen, if they had a camera on 19th place, me and Brad Kozowski fought all day long. We never were separated more than five car lengths. <laughs> and whoever would get in front failed to pull away. Like it was just the next person, you know, we were just, we, we clearly needed rabbits to be, to be fast. And I looked, you know, at the lap times after the race and I'm looking, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm like, man, my car is capable. Cause I've, I've dropped down and run some really good laps, but it just tells you how much I have to work at my craft to bring those, you know, bring those high laps up down, you know? So, um, my car is cl- clearly capable, but me and Brad had a hell of a battle for, was this race two hours, nine minutes? I think it was. For two hours and nine minutes, me and Brad Kozowski were five car lengths apart, and we must exchange positions five or six times. So it was a, it was a hell of a battle. I got out of the car, and the first thing I did is I turned around at him. I says, get away from me. I'm t- <laughs> I mean, he was just stalking me the whole day. And then when he'd get up front, then I'd be stalking him. So it was just, uh, it was a lot of fun. I'm sure you never, you did not see it on TV because no one gives a crap about where we were running. So um, it was really a lot of fun. But to have a day where we leave the track with a point, like one point, that it just feels like a win for us. I'm not really sure why I feel so good about it, but it it, it just does. Because one point matters in a few weeks. I mean, for the last few years, um, I mean, the wall ride at Martinsville, the, the Chastain, I mean, I, I missed it by a couple of points. So it, it does. It always seems to matter in, in, in the last, you know, round or so. So it's cool that, uh, you know, that happened and, and we were able to get a stage win and some stage points. But uh, my team was just, you know, it's one of the benefits, Jared, of running badly. You've got nothing to lose. And we ran bad enough to where Chris Gabart says, well, we're, we're not worried about William Byron today. I'm just, what can I do to just take a risk? And, and it paid off finally. Dear Danny, we've got some questions that we want to ask. Dear Danny, we need answers and we need them fast. We tried to ask Junior, but his answers were lame. And with DBC, it was more of the same. Now we're calling on you, because you're our only hope. This ain't the racetrack, so maybe you won't choke. Um, I got a couple of Dear Denny's and Dear Michael's here for y'all. Love it. First one is, how do teams go about setting up the car for a road course? Do you pick the most important turns and optimize the car for those corners and forget the rest, or do you find a balance between them? I think now there's, you can't really give anything away, um, but you do focus on the corners that lead to passing zones or you focus on corners where you think there's going to be the most amount of time. So it's, it's a, it's a tough balance because there's, there's racetracks where let's just take Watkins Glen, for example, the most amount of time lost and gain is going to be up the S's. It just is, but you're not passing up the S's. Right. So what do you want to focus on? Well, I want to focus being good off 11 because I need to be able to pass into one. And so you have to prioritize, you know, what you think is going to be most important. I think the next gen car is a little bit different for that. The old car was more tricky because how soft you could run and aero platform versus grip where this next gen cars is a little bit more straightforward, but definitely 
focus for me, the focus this weekend at Indy was getting off of 14, which we were dynamite. And that's what helped us be able to take the lead. That's what helped us to defend passes. Now we struggled in 13 because of it, but I knew that 13 wasn't an issue. It was all about 14. Mm -hmm. So you do think about it that way, but you can't just be terrible anywhere because if you have a weakness, you're going to get exposed and, and so, yeah, it's a balance for sure. Yeah, especially with the old car, like you talked about. If if you want to gain time to, to qualify best at Watkins Glen, you should be back in the day. Yeah, you gain through the S's. Well, likely, if you get your platform right through the S's, it hurts your braking capability in the high braking zones, such as, you know, into the bus stop there and then into turn one. But it, it is a little bit better with the next gen for sure. But, yeah, I agree with Michael that you, you definitely have to realize where's the greatest amount of passes done and what where's what's the corner before that? Because you need to be good there because you're going to have to defend and you're also, you know, if you're going to make a pass, you have to be able to carry it in deeper than the, next, the, the guy in front of you. So I uh, agree with that. This one's for Denny. Would it be plausible for Trackhouse to move SVG straight into the Cup Series without a third charter? disregarding his inexperience on ovals uh what what's the definition of plausible i mean i guess that's up for, for, for you to decide. Uh, is it is it the smart thing to do no um i i think that he's certainly needs more oval experience he's certainly a very capable race car driver and when we go to these road courses he's going to put himself in the conversation to be a contender but, you know, I, I think that it, it's no secret, and he'll even say that I've got a long way to go on the road courses, So, or I'm sorry, on the ovals. So, and that is the bulk of our schedule. So I, I think the plan probably is to run him in various series to, to get him some experience. You know, uh, I know Trackhouse has an, uh, a relationship with Nice um, over there. So more than likely, quite a bit of truck races, maybe a, an Xfinity race here and there, but uh, and, and then probably... Uh, some 91 car stuff. I guess I was kind of taking it as financially plausible. No. No, not unless uh, not unless he's bringing some significant money. Uh, just simply because the non-charter cars just don't get, aren't allowed to get in the prize pool that the charter cars get into, which is why uh, it's so valuable to have a charter is because you, you, it gives you access to a pool of funds that others do not become a part of. Got it. And now this one's specifically for Michael. Where is, first, this is a two-part question. Where is this trophy going to go? And then secondly, are you sad now to see us go back to the Indy Oval next year? Not sure where the trophy's going to go yet. You know, I, I am sad about not being on the road course because selfishly, road courses are good for us, right? For our team and points and everything. Not just because we won, but because they're our strength. But at the same time, I totally get why everybody wants to go back to the oval and just the prestige of the brickyard the historical value of it the coolness of it the road course is is not that it's just not you can you can cut it up any way you want to but it's just different uh, to me it's special because i always being a road racer like to me to not win on a road course would feel terrible like I feel like that's a something that should have been checked a long time ago that box should have been checked so um but I hope that it's not just a um a replacement I hope we still have as many road courses as we do now 
And I think it's a good mix right now. But going back to the Indy Oval with this next-gen car, there's a good chance it'll be a decent race. And it'll be better than what we've had in years past. Um, but everybody knows that it's not going to be a two-wide the entire race, lots of passing. It's still going to be the best car out front. It's going to be you know, a challenge to pass at times. But I think that this car deserves a shot at it and i think that for the sport it's good to mix it up i don't think we should do the same thing over and over and over for 10 20 30 years we could keep mixing it up uh, daytona road course was a great mix i thought that was a fun track i mm -hmm. thought it was a fun race put on a good show Fans that's actually one of my thing. very favorite road courses i don't know why but it, but it, maybe because it was somewhat basic but the daytona road course i really like that track it creates a lot of opportunity. You got banking and you can get the draft yeah. and you can, I mean, it's just a fun, tight technical in some spots, high speed in others. Um, you know, Chicago street course I thought was awesome. It was a lot of fun and you know, it, it fits this car. Well, our old car, it'd be impossible yeah. to even get around that track, let alone put on a good race. So I, I think that the sport's doing a good job of mixing it up and I'm not terribly upset that we're going to go back to the oval. It's, it's a special place and we should be racing there. Where do you have your Harley J Earl trophy at? Yeah, so right when you walk in the front door, there's a, a little um, like foyer spot there that it sits. It's a perfect spot for it. It's, well, now it's one of two trophies in my it's house. Got a, it's got a brother. Yeah, so <laughs> I have not kept any racing stuff my entire career. Now, I know fans are going to be like, yeah, well, you've only won two races, but I've won hundreds of races right. throughout my career, yeah. just not in a cup yeah. series. Right. Um, but I've just never kept anything. Like my brother has a lot of it. My dad has a lot of it, friends, family, sponsors. Um, so you go into my house, you know, now there's only two trophies, but, uh, yeah, that one I'm, I'm going to keep on display for sure. That's well, crazy. if, if, uh, Netflix has proven anything is that you don't have to win to have a trophy room because Kirk Cousins has got himself an <laughs> elaborate trophy room. <laughs> I, I, I know. I, I'm catching up on it. I'm on episode six or so. It's right before they lose the playoff. So don't spoil it for me. Um, well, appreciate you taking the invite to come here. Congratulations to you and your team. It's just a huge accomplishment. Great job of wheeling the car, man. I mean, no mistakes. You guys executed the weekend to the fullest, and now you're going to get to race for a championship. So congrats. Yeah, and, thanks uh, for having me on. Thanks for being wrong, man. I love it. Yeah. Hey, I, I'll, I'll be wrong as, as, as long as the underdog wins. So great job. It's awesome. Thanks. Hey, before, before we finish up, do you go into Watkins Glen now? Just, I mean... Balls to the wall, just win the race because you need playoff points? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, but really, I went into this weekend like that. It d didn't really change. You know, that's one of the things I was worried about uh, for Sunday is Saturday I unloaded on kill. I mean, I did. Ten laps, I was huffing and puffing like, oh, man, I'm going to need to breathe. I mean, I did ten qualifying laps. And I was like, ah, if these guys have pace and they were just running 90%, I might not be as good as... I think I am, you know, but I feel like this car is like that. You just have to stay on it. You can't really ride. You got to push the brake zones every lap. But one thing for Watkins Glen, Travis Peterson and I will have a good conversation tomorrow is we have been wanting to try a different setup for quite some time uh, for Watkins Glen in particular. And we've joked all year long, hey, if we win Indy and we're locked <laughs> in, we're going to try this. <laughs> I'm going to be hard-pressed to change a whole lot from Indy going to Watkins right. Glen, knowing that we got, you know, had a dominant car. So it'll be a fun conversation tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, you know, we need to go score stage points if we can. Uh, a win would be awesome. Um, but at the same time, it's going to be 
I can push it a little bit harder and challenge myself to maybe get a little bit better in some of the areas that I feel like I'm still weak at and not feel that pressure. If you make a mistake, you're going to look stupid. Awesome. Well, good luck to you and congrats again. And uh, very envious of this beautiful trophy that we had. Thank you for bringing it and uh, yourself as well. So thank you. Uh, Make sure you guys tune in next week after Watkins Glen and we'll see you then. And remember, leave us a review. This nice review came from Shay Washbird. I've been a NASCAR fan since I was a kid. My favorite driver was Jeff Gordon. Since he retired, I haven't followed a driver until this year. 11's up. Must listen every Monday. We'll be in Phoenix and hopefully get that championship. Um, And if you don't know, you can follow Michael McDowell on social media at Mick underscore driver. There was a, a, a debate a few weeks ago that like someone had said like, oh, no one calls like, was it? It was about it was a debate about your nickname. I think Jeff Gluck was having it with somebody. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Um, McDizzle's what it was McDizzle, about. Yeah. yeah, which it was all true. What Jeff Gluck said, he was right. <laughs> nobody believed him. I um, it's it seems like we're getting a lot of Hendrick fans that are you know a lot of these reviews come from the Hendrick fans, right? And my next question is when it says 11's up, is it thumb? Are they giving me the thumbs up or the you Two know birds. what? The two it's birds. two birds, yeah. That's, All right, so, well. That's, the, that's like your thing now. <laughs> All right, well, thank y'all. Make sure you leave a review for us, and we'll, we'll try to get them read here on the air. So thank you, and uh, we'll see you next week. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.